Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by author, poet, and all-round lovely individual, Ada McCartney. So, this conversation was a nice long one, so I split it into two parts. Part two will be released next week at the same time, but obviously if you want to hear that right now, go over to patreon.com slash genuinechipschat and you get access to the full unsplit conversation right now, as well as hours and hours of additional content. But putting that to one side, this week specifically in part one, we focus on poetry. So we speak about Ada's love of poetry, some of her own writing, and some recommendations for books and audiobooks and other things she's just really passionate about. So it is a great conversation here. I will warn that towards the end of the conversation, a certain swear word beguiling with C is said in this episode. Now, I will say it out loud in a moment. I just want to clarify that if anyone's listening in the car with kids or near people who you don't want to hear certain profanities, this is your warning just because I am about to say it just so you know what I'm speaking about. And that is the word cunt. And that is because Ada herself has written a bunch of poems which will focus around the word and we speak about the word and it's perceived in the UK and the US differently and all those sorts of things. But that starts to happen at the tail end of this part, but is primarily the focus of part two, which will be released next week. So this is kind of your warning that the majority of the conversation, we don't really swear too much, but at the end, you know, the C-bomb does come out. And then in part two, you get the full conversation about the C-bomb. But aside from that, yeah, as I said, we speak about Shakespeare as well in this conversation and poetry and published works. And we also speak about how Ada got into podcasting, not only how she's been listening to podcasts, but also she's recently been guesting on podcasts, including first appearing on Tony Farina's Indie Comics Spotlight on the feed of Comics in Motion, talking about one of her favourite comics ever called Saga. And a link to her appearance is in the description of this episode, as well as all of Ada's other things, including her two websites, the list of things that she mentioned around 10, 15 minutes through this conversation, the big recommendations, and a few other bits and pieces as well. So make sure you follow Ada on social media. Check out the links in the description. And if you enjoy this episode, please consider checking out my Patreon page to get part two earlier than anyone else. But that's going to be enough from me at the moment. I'll leave this conversation to start, and I will be back at the end to give yourselves more information on what's coming up and a few other bits and pieces. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ada McCartney. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. And here we are. So I'm here today with an individual that I've met because I listened to her appearances on a couple of comics and motion shows, actually. And I think uh, we have Tony Farina to thank uh, for Mm -hmm. this connection. And so is Ada McCartney. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ada. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your sort of podcast beginnings is probably a good place to start. Great. Thanks for having me on Genuine Chit Chat, Mike. I have really enjoyed the episodes of the show that I listen to and any excuse to chit chat with a new person. My podcast beginnings, um, I actually met Tony Farina through graduate school at Naropa University. Um, two older professionals going, well, older. I don't know if I'm older. I'm 33. Um, old enough. Going back to school, he was one of the first people to just meet me, befriend me, answer all of the questions, just be a generally cool dude. Um, So that's how we got to know each other. And then he slowly warmed me up to the idea of podcasts and being on a podcast. And so my first um, experience was 
Well, actually, I did a podcast a few years ago with another friend named Tony um, about <laughs> a play that uh, I had written and was in with his wife. But that felt very isolated because it was in the context of this play. And it didn't, I don't know, he recorded it on his phone. I didn't even realize it was going to be a podcast at the time. <laughs> so anyway, my first Comics in Motion uh, podcast was discussing um, Fiona Staples and Brian Vaughn's uh, saga with Tony, one of my favorite comics of all time. And then um, Rhea and Tanya were kind enough to have me on Miss Marvel, despite the fact that I am a Marvel novice. Thoroughly enjoyed it, really loved the show, um, had a great time talking with them about it. And um, and here we are. This is my <laughs> third Comics in Motion show appearance, as it were. Yeah. Um, That's I'm lovely glad to have you. Here. Well, thank you Thanks. very much. Yeah, it's it's one of those things with the comics emotion sort of family and the extended family because we've got like Genuine Chit Chat and Spider Down the Secret Balls and 20th Century Geek, which are all shows which regularly collaborate with those in the comics emotion family. And we're becoming like this associated network. Obviously, I'm kind of cheating because I have two shows because I've got Comics and Canon, which is literally on the feed of Comics Emotion, but I've kind of stolen it a little bit because on my youtube i've got them both um but when you get into like myself and tony were two of the originals obviously we say the podfathers are dave and chris because they started the actual podcast comics emotion when it's just a tv and movie thing and then myself and tony uh, collaborated with them quite a bit and they discussed about the idea of uh making it like an open thing like having different shows each day of the week that kind of idea and so me and tony were quite early i think us and max bone were the earliest ones on uh the channel itself and every time someone joined they always go god it's so nice like it's kind of it's it's a fun nice thing but it's also like it's really good but also i'm appearing on loads of podcasts and my family are asking me what i keep doing every week (laughs) i'm disappearing for an hour or two ago and especially when we've got the weekly discussion shows about the marvel or the star wars um shows on disney plus and some of the other things that get spoken about and we've got the book club going on and all kinds of other stuff it becomes a thing where there's so many podcasts one could guest on when you first get into it, it's like, I'm going to do everything. And then now I'm like, yeah, I've made two podcasts. I've got a Patreon podcast. I do Star Wars weekly shows. I'm like, I couldn't. People have asked me before, oh, would you want to do another podcast? Or do, it's like, I can't. I don't have the time. So you're you're at the start. Rhea and Jack both did what you did. And it was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to guest on a few podcasts. <laughs> just like Tonya did. She's like, I'm going to guest on a few here and there. It's going to be fun. And then slowly you, this idea forms. You're like, I've actually got an idea for a podcast. It doesn't need to be weekly. It doesn't even need to be regular. Just every now and then, kind of like Femmon Film to a degree, I'll just have a conversation with someone, release it on this network of loads of other cool stuff. And here we are. So I'm basically just lightly trying to tell you that three podcasts in a short space of time, you're on the train so start thinking of some podcast ideas because you're not allowed to just always be guesting. I'm joking in that regard. You could always no, be No, you guest. know, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that. Tony uh, Farina just um, recently emailed me and said, oh, you should pitch Femme on Poetry to Rhea. So we've been discussing that. And um, I'm talking Beloved with Tanya in a couple of few weeks. September, mm. we're, only a few, we're only a couple of weeks away from September. Holy I smokes. Know. It's crazy. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to be entering the world of podcasts and riding the train, as it were. Mm. Yeah, because you also, uh, you said before we press record that before you started uh, recording podcasts with sort of Tony and things, you hadn't really entered the world of listening. Tony kind of introduced you into that as well. So how did that go? Like, I mean, just what you um, listen to? 
Well, my partner, who's also named Tony, lots of Tonys, um, <laughs> is a big podcast fan and has has often recommended them or has had them on in the house. And I, while I've liked NPR and talk radio occasionally, I don't don't tend to seek it out. So I've had a had it kind of in the background. But um, once I featured on Tony's podcast, I felt I felt like I should do some homework and I shouldn't just be showing up on podcasts having never listened to them. So that was when I kind of started listening to some of the more comics in motion podcasts and venturing out a little bit. And then I, once I started teaching at Siena Heights University, um, I teach fully online and fully asynchronous courses. And I realized that a lot of students really prefer to listen to podcasts versus read a paper online or go visit a website or even watch a YouTube video. So I started seeking them out a little bit more for for that purpose specifically. And I I will admit I'm still not um I've only recently worked up to the point where I can list anything on double speed ever. Um and I don't listen to a ton of podcasts, but I I dabble. I'm a podcast dabbler, I think. Yeah. That's fine. I mean it's like um like my partner Megan, she she got into podcasting because of me, obviously, and I've got podcasts. She's appeared on my show numerous times, and um, I would have said her to say hi, but she was just legitimately just falling asleep on the sofa. Totally she asked me to get a blanket for her, so I was just like, "Okay, you're not you're not moving anywhere." So I'm going to wake her up at the very end of this. She may or may not be downstairs on the sofa. She might have made her way to bed, but she falls asleep on the sofa very frequently. Um, I'm sure you'll be here at some point, even if it's amidst the uh, many comics and motion collaboration shows. But that'll be something. Everyone meets Megan eventually. Um, but she... I really enjoyed her when she took us to school on Marie Antoinette. I listened to that film <laughs> episode recently. That was pretty good. Uh, that came out of nowhere. Like when we were watching Marie Antoinette, she just knew these couple of things, but I didn't realize the extent of what she knew, which was quite funny. And it makes so that'll be a little thing. I'll put a link to that in the description. Uh, the recent film on film uh, appearance myself and Megan did for uh, Sophia Coppola's uh, Mary Antoinette. So thank you, Ria, and obviously thank you, Ada, for, <laughs> for mentioning that. Um, I was going to say with like listening and things with Megan, she, she listens to podcasts a bit, but she has her own ones. Like there's, there's ones that I listen to either on the regular or um, occasionally when one piques my interest and Megan's got completely different ones, which is fine. And so she listens to things like the office ladies podcast and uh, the parks and rec parks and recollection podcast and a few other sort of ones in that similar vein. And she kind of flits about, but she's also been getting into audiobooks a bit recently as well. And that's something that I didn't really get until probably about two years ago. I, I wasn't, I was like, ah, like, you know, listen to an audiobook, it's like eight to 15 hours, sometimes 20 if it's a really chunky book. And like, I think Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is like 21, 22 hours, something mad. Um, if not, yeah, more, it might be more than that actually. But because Megan's been listening to those as well, because uh, she's rereading the Harry Potter uh, books by listening to them. But with the, she got an Audible subscription for free with her phone contract. And I'd, I'd done a trial or two just to listen to a couple of Star Wars books because I was running out of time to consume Star Wars. So I was like, I have about an hour and a half of commuting each day in total. So as well as podcasts and music and everything else I do, let's add audiobooks. And I've, I've found that they're really... Uh, I listened to like a Jane Austen, Sense and Sensibility. I've never consumed any Jane Austen content. And they've got this whole thing on Audible where there's that one that's uh, vo- that's narrated by Claire Foy, one's narrated by Billy Piper, and they've got different voice actors um, for different people in it as well. So it's like a full audio drama of Jane Austen. So I was listening to that as well. There's so many cool things on there, and I'm like, 
if it wasn't for podcasts, I probably wouldn't have got into audiobooks. So I know that you mentioned audiobooks. I'm intrigued by, are there any in particular you're listening to or how have you found oh, yeah. the transition? Um, yes. My number one recommendation, I listened to Catherine Valente's uh, September series on audiobook a while ago. That was, I think that was one of my first audiobooks. I had read it. Um, and then I listened, I listened to it as well. And that was just really fun. But um, most recently, I listened to His Name is George Floyd. Hmm. Um, I can't, for the love of me, remember the name of the two journalists who wrote the book. It'll be in the description. Um, perfect. Uh, it's phenomenal. It is, not only is it a, a beautifully told story that really delves into the the autobiography of the person, it just is this whole course on the craft of weaving together journalism, history, and storytelling. It's this whole kind of historical analysis of the events in the United States that have led to the partial realities um, and, and racism present and prevalent in policing in the United States. Um, to- as told through the familial history of George Floyd. Mm. Um, it's incredible. Not not a light read, obviously, <laughs> but but phenomenal. Um, and then what else have I been listening to? I've been listening to Toni Morrison read Beloved, which is phenomenal. Um, I've not heard her read her work out loud before, and it's just changing everything about how I read, how I've read the book. Um, and then... I've been listening to Sister Outsider, the essay collection by Audre Lorde. It's not read by her, but it's it's a nice listen because a lot of the essays in it are actually speeches. Mm. Um, so to hear it out loud is a very different experience than, um, than reading the book. And then I've also been listening to um, Donald Goines. What is the book called? I think, oh, Dope Fiend. I listened to Dope Fiend by Donald Goines lately. Um, he's uh, an author that my father-in-law recommended a while back. Um, kind of gritty mystery thriller type book. Hmm. That's awesome. I'm going to put all these in the description to make sure like people can tune in and just easily find it just because it's one of those things with books where, you know, if I, a a friend of mine from work called uh, Matt, he said at some point he'll probably come on the show. Um, but he's um, he's Australian. Not that it has any bearing on what I'm about to say, but there you go. Just for when <laughs> listeners, when I eventually talk about my Australian friend Matt again, uh, then that'll be who I'm talking about. He said that his dream would be like if you could just give him infinite time almost or just like um, be like his, his money, but the condition is you have to do one thing for the next six months or year or something. He said, mm-hmm. just lock me in a giant library. He's like, I would just sit in there and it would just be... Because there's so many great works of fiction and the problem is like i want to read you know i haven't read for example uh much dickens you know great expectations or anything i know that you know tony is a massive jane austen fan i've only recently even uh known the story of sense and sensibility i don't know i've not seen the film of pride and prejudice or any of those other ones like this the six uh that she wrote so i know barely anything about her but it's like but the time i have before bed normally uh, mainly before the dog when i was less tired but i was reading a lot more and i was primarily reading styles comic styles books or other comics as well you know some of the things we've tackled in the comics motion book club and other sort of heavy hitters of the comic and book world in a sense 
But then it's like, I still don't have enough time. I often like think, oh, I'd love to have just a day of just reading all day. But when does anyone way. have that? Exactly. And I just think, oh, audiobooks are such a nice way to kind of, in, in times where you may not be able to consume that content or thought you couldn't, driving or doing chores or something like that, it's such a nice way to consume those things. And I just, I, it, just there's so many books I want to read. I just, there's just not enough time, let alone the series and the movies and everything else I want to do with myself. It adds it adds the possibilities significantly, and that I've re- that's what I've really just discovered about audiobooks. How much more book is possible with some listening? Um, now I can listen while I'm cooking, listen, you know, while I'm walking. Are, have you listened to any good audiobooks lately? Most of the audiobooks I've listened to have been uh, Star Wars ones, so. I rate them very highly because they're very high production. They've got voice actors doing like a, a lot of uh, cool voices and they've got like full on sound effects. They've got the music from Star Wars. They've got, oh, full wow. on, yeah, it's like a full audio drama. It's narrated by uh, individuals who can do a lot of voices. There's one which was Han Solo's uh, last shot and it was about Han and Lando about 10 years after episode six. And uh, there's three narrators in it. One is January Lavoie. One was... Uh, Daniel Jose Older, who's the writer, and then there was one other, and I can't remember if it's Jonathan Davis or Mark Thompson. It's one of the bigger Star Wars authors, uh, uh, narrators. So apologies for whoever that is if I've forgotten them, um, if none of them was correct. But having three different people was really interesting because it did a lot of time jumps. But the way it did it was if it was it was three main time periods and each narrator was a different time period. So it wow. just made it so much easier to kind of, and with January Lavoy, it had a character L337 in it featuring that quite a lot. So when she was reading L337's lines, it sounded a lot more like her. Whereas one of the other narrators was reading a lot of Lando stuff and he did a really good Lando impression. So it was a lot of the Star Wars ones I've been reading are really enjoyable. Um, but I was really surprised of how good sense and sensibility was in the audible collection of it had so many different voice actors in but listening to a, a jane austen novel and hearing all different people speak in the proper way like the queen's english almost of the way it's being spoken and everyone's speaking very prim and proper but also there's a lot of it is obviously british countryside and things and so you've got people outside talking and just little you can hear like bugs or like birds chirping in the background or like oh, the grass cool. rustling and in moments like that, because it's recorded in Britain, I recognise bird sounds. So I'm like, when was it? It was um, a few. It was a couple of months ago when the weather was a bit rubbish because at the moment we're going through like a heat wave, as we always do. It's called summer in Britain, but we don't. Seem, <laughs> we seem to think summer doesn't exist, and then we have really hot month or so, and it's always a heat wave. But um, it's there was one time I think I was I was either doing a bit of walking or, or the weather was miserable and I was driving and things, and I was just listening to. Jane Austen and I could just hear like there's the birds chirping and just the like crickets going in the background and it was just people talking about you know the intricacies of life in uh Jane Austen's era which I think was the early or late 1800s I always get the things uh, more earlier 1800s so it's just that sort of I love Star Wars but it's you know we need to save the world or stop this evil guy doing crazy stuff or there's all these big plans you know don't let the empire get this but with Jane Austen it's just so low-key and chill but it's still thrilling in many ways but it's just really pleasant and i found the audio element if people have audible subscriptions the uh, jane austen collection all six of her works all fully narrated by different people they're all included so you just get it for free it's a it's about 40 hours for all of it so i think each each book works out somewhere between eight and 12 hours or so 
but I really, I was so surprised by it. Um, and I was about to listen to some more and then a new Star Wars book came out and I was like, okay, I've already got this Jane Austen. I can listen, that can be my comfort thing, but let's just jump on this, a new Star Wars book. But yeah, the Jane Austen one, I really recommend, especially for people who haven't consumed any Jane Austen like myself. Like, are you, I know Tony's a massive fan. I didn't know if you were a fan of her. I'm trying to think. I, my good friend Tiffany is a huge Jane Austen fan, but I think my, I may have read some of Pride and Prejudice in high school or like maybe skimmed it and pretended to read it for a class. But my Jane Austen exposure has been limited to movies. Mm. Um, I've seen, I've seen um, many, I know there are at least two that I've watched um, at Tiffany's behest (laughs) and enjoyed. Um, But I, I've never read like actively picked up and for fun read Jane Austen, but I might, I might like to audiobook it as you were talking. It sounded, I do like a comfort listen. I used to, I went through um, the Anne of Green Gables. I guess that was another audiobook that I did early on. I watched the TV. Uh, there was a recent TV adaption um, of Anne of Green Gables. And so then of course I went back and like listened to all of it. Cause I'd read it as a child and I found it very comforting I may seek out some Jane Austen for a similar vibe. Mm, it is it is worth it for a nice, calm listen that you don't have to, you know, there's, there's a certain degree of plot and there's things that go on, but it's not something you have to intently listen to everything. It's not like a crime thriller where it's if you miss one line of dialogue, nothing will make sense. It, there's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's that you're going to have to rewind it that often because a lot of the time it's just, but hearing them speak in the proper Queen's English is just so... Because even as a British individual, you know, I'm, I don't speak, I'm not that well spoken. Certain Americans seem to think I am and I'm really not. But even like hearing them speak, because it was like halfway between here and Shakespeare is Jane Austen, like in the timeline. Uh, so huh. when you, because obviously Shakespeare, this approximately, because Shakespeare is 1600s, she's 1800s, we're year 2000. And so I've always had issues with reading Shakespeare and watching uh, Shakespeare movies when they are true to the script, like uh, William Shakespeare's by, I think it's Baz Luhrmann with DiCaprio and stuff. I wasn't a fan because it's all shake- spoken in Shakespearean huh. English. And I, there's so, it's so different than 400 odd years ago. So much of the language has changed. I still find it quite hard to grasp. Whereas with Jane Austen, the first, the first few minutes or so of a listen, I was like, oh, this is, spoken very differently you know they don't use don't very they don't use the word i think you probably know the word is when you shorten a word and it's oh contractions yeah exactly so when you you do that they don't speak like that and they speak steadily and slowly and they enunciate everything they say and there's no rush or anything unless there is one moment where everyone's rushing about but then compared to how i speak i was like it made me want to speak more proper (laughs) which is the least classy sentence ever (laughs) <laughs> I guess I I find the British like the British accent very charming, and so it would be hard to convince me that you're not quote unquote well spoken because you're British. Um, <laughs> but that makes sense to me. I'd never considered the fact that Jane Austen is halfway between here and Shakespeare, but that that makes a lot of sense. Mm, yeah, and I think it makes me. I want to consume more of that and then kind of slowly delve back into Shakespeare. I've never been the biggest Shakespeare fan, but I know he's amazing. You know, it's what he's very, the stories he's written in themselves are incredible. And I love, like I do actively love Macbeth. I think that's such a cool story, but 
you know, some of the other ones are. They're really good, but not... It's not they haven't aged well, it's just I'm kind of spoiled. You know, living in, especially as a millennial, so in, obviously in the early 2000s, you just had everything almost you could ever want, and then we got streaming. So I think mm-hmm. I'm somewhat spoiled from that, but... There's I, so many options yeah. all the time. What do you think of Shakespeare compared? Oh my gosh. I So until... I studied Shakespeare as an actor. I didn't didn't really get it, didn't really wouldn't have called myself a Shakespeare fan. And then my the my first uh semester of undergrad, I was um on college in college on an acting scholarship and the first play that I was in in college was Hamlet, an all-female version hmm. of Hamlet directed by a woman. And she this um Ren Pruist's schooled me on Shakespeare. She she was part of the Queen's Company in New York City, um, sh- Shakespearean actress, scholar, and it totally turned me on to the world of the bard. And um, and opened my eyes to all of the incredible linguistic possibilities and just like the, the roots. And I think too, there's something because I'm American or from the U.S. on this side of the pond. It's more, maybe more different. I don't know if it's more different from the way that I speak than, say, the way you speak. But it, it almost felt like learning a new language, which is very exciting. And and I think, I don't know, for me, all of my Shakespeare appreciation has come from physically acting it or seeing it on stage or listening to it. I don't, I don't like go sit down and crack open my complete works of Shakespeare to read a play unless, unless I have a purpose, unless I'm going to be, you know, breaking it down into an essay or into a, like acting it. Um, but I love, I love Shakespeare. I think probably um, actually a Midsummer Night's Dream and a Tempest are my two those are my two favorites. Um, I like the fluffy stuff. I think <laughs> I've not uh, con- I've not read or seen Tempest, but I have seen Midsummer's Night Dream. Uh, lo- I've seen a performance of that, and I did really enjoy that uh, as well. My, my friend uh, Tonya Todd's friend Tom Everett, who I've had on the show a few times, and I would now call a friend. I saw him perform Shakespeare because uh, he's an actor as well. And we were talking about Shakespeare, and he was like, "I understand not liking it as much because like there's just a moment where." it just clicked and he said the same thing he said when i start performing it i could really feel it because he was like you know you get it in school and they go and he walked across the room and did mm-hmm. and where's when you perform it's like and he walked and he crossed the room and he did this and he's like he said shakespeare is meant to be performed we've just got mm-hmm. translations of basically scripts from a performance and plays so it's it's one of those things so he's like when you read it it just doesn't feel the same as performing it or watching someone perform it so I, I completely understand that. Like, how, how long ago did you uh, do Shakespeare in acting? I started, my, I did Hamlet in 2007. Okay. And then a few more between then and 2012. Hmm. Um, and then I taught, uh, I taught theater and creative writing for about 10 years um, for K through 12 uh, ages and I so we'd often do an improv and Shakespeare was a pretty common um, was one of the more common things that I bring into to teaching just because it's so I don't know it's so so much different when you're 
when you're acting it out versus when you sit in the high school English classroom and yeah and so leading from that I want to ask um you've got your website out or your your blog slash website and you uh, release some poetry on there and things and with your love of poetry where did that sort of stem from did that come from when you kind of got into Shakespeare and things did it predate that when did when was your poetry poetry came first for Mm. sure um I have been reading and writing poetry I remember I think my first like my first book of poetry the first one that that I picked out actively, I got it for a Christmas present. It was the illustrated Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven, Mm. um, like a children's classic illustrated. And um, I used to perform it for myself in my room. (laughs) (laughs) And um, and I've I've been keeping diary, notebook, journals, um, probably since the age of eight or nine. Then when I was in high school, I'm going to say ninth, maybe 10th grade, um, I had a teacher, Susan Aiken, um, still, thankfully, she's still, I would still consider her a teacher and a friend to this day. Um, she turned me on to the world of slam poetry. And um, we, she would take students to, to poetry slams. We'd go to the Craft Brow Brewery in Kalamazoo. Um, she brought she brought poets when they were touring the region into our high school gym wow. to perform. Um, and it was, it was mind blowing and it just, it opened up a whole new world of possibility for me. Um, I grew up in a very, very small farming community in a sort of isolated area of the Midwest, um, kind of Amish farming an hour from any major stores type of place um an hour or more um and so to have to have to sort of be turned on to these poets who were touring through the region in in high school was was everything um and by senior year she had uh she had a group of us going with her to the university that was an hour away and like teaching um, we had the opportunity, she'd, she'd take us in to teach slam poetry writing workshops and um, and I would compete. And it was just, it was so fun, especially as kind of a nerdy, introverted um, kid who was very, very not athletic. Um, it was It was life-changing to have access to this sort of competitive performative thing um where points didn't matter and it was about connection and it was it was just so fun um so that kind of ignited even further this love of poetry and then I continued through college and and it's a very poetry and theater are just like so symbiotic and such like they just weave together so so naturally for me and so it just made made a lot of sense um, to sort of study theater and to kind of keep weaving those paths together. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things. I, When I was younger, I was definitely not a fan of poetry. Mainly, I blame the school system. It, it seemed to turn me off to quite a few things. I did Fair. English literature as a GCSE, which was 
um, the qualification before. So it always confused me with uh, Americans. So we've got school, then college, then university. But our school, our college is actually more so your high school. Our university mm-hmm. is your college. So with uh, GCSEs, that's when you're sort of 15, 16. Uh, that's the sort of the main baseline qualifications that basically everyone needs to have, really. And with those, we did English literature. And there was certain elements of it I did enjoy. But we did a poetry uh, module. And there was a couple of poems I really liked. There's one called Half Cast, which I was really, really enjoyed. It's about someone being called. It was a, a gentleman who was, I can't remember what ethnicity he was, but he was a mixed race individual. And at that time, calling someone half cast is obviously would be offensive. And obviously now it is. Then it was uh, when just before it was sort of becoming a thing you shouldn't say about individuals. And he says it and he's got this poem and it's written phonetically. And then you can, he recorded this uh, poet himself saying it. And he says it with such uh, vigor and such uh, like aggression about people calling him half cast. He's like, you know, what are you saying about me? Half cast. You're saying I'm half a soul or half a person, these sort of things. And it was a very powerful poem. And I've always remembered that. And I'd recommend people check it out, especially if you can find the audio recording of... It's not, it's not a long poem. Show notes? <laughs> yes, it will be in the show notes. Um, but that I loved. But then with every one that was that amazing, I read about 10 that were really boring and just didn't interest me. You know, they're either just the... And they rhymed and the rhymes were really boring and crap. And they were just so bland and so... It turned me off to poetry for a while, and it was when I was getting into music a lot, um, and I was getting a lot into heavy metal and rap, so both of those things, I was like, this poetry to me just sounds like music without, it sounds like the lyrics to a song without music, why would I want to listen to loads of poetry if I can listen to poetry (laughs) spoken for me, you know, heavy metal stuff and being an angsty teen and that sort of jazz, and so I kind of went off it for a while and then I was seeing someone for quite a while and they were really into poetry, and then I went with them to see poetry live um like a a gig thing sort of um and it was kind of like an open mic night but specifically for poetry and i was hesitant but i was okay i'm intrigued and about half of them were really good about a quarter were fantastic and i was blown away i was like i was like that should be i was like if that was released with like um this wasn't the music at the time but if this was released like billy eilish style just someone mm-hmm. almost half talking whispering it with just really simple background stuff that's really cool sounding if that was released now some of the stuff i heard then would be massive in music so i heard that and then i ended up writing a poem uh, of my own it was quite an aggressive one about um god it was you know I, I used to be quite a militant atheist now i'm more agnostic but i don't really believe there's a deity necessarily but it's it's a question that you know it was i i went to like a catholic primary school and there's lots of you know i had a lot of uh issues with religion and whatnot but not i'm not specifically against religion or religious individuals at the moment i just have certain issues with things but with this poem i wrote about that and then i performed it at another little gig thing that was quite fun with a few other people and then it kind of just tapered off and, and somewhat disappeared for a while so that's kind of my very long-winded poetry story about my life and poems but with yourself you i wrote that one and then myself and megan actually wrote poems for each other for tonya's podcast uh 52 love oh. yeah <laughs> i'll link to that too um where yeah it, it was a lot of fun um we had to, so wrote poems about each other so i've written two poems and the feedback of the one with both of the, both of them was actually very positive but the one with megan and tonya especially was very positive feedback um but 
with you, you write poems like a lot. You are actually a poet. You know, I'm a, I'm a dabbler. You know, you're a podcast dabbler. I've been in the podcasting realm for many years now, but it's the other way around. With, with poetry, you've got mass amount of things. You've got blog posts on it. You're a part of the uh, Wisdom Body Collective as well. You've got, and now this is where I would have put a, a warning at the start uh, for the <laughs> intro thing, but just for YouTube listeners, I don't usually do that. We're about to say some language that is quite... Uh, spicy okay it's explicit language okay it's it's the sea bomb we're going to be talk, talking about that and so you have cunt poems as mm. well so cunt poems is i do want to talk about that but reining back with you writing poetry and you explaining it was kind of like a form of uh expression i think and, and like an outlet in a lot of ways for yourself with the slam poetry how did that kind of translate into you deciding to write poetry for blogs and things and actually releasing it to the world um yeah, po- poetry saved my life, period. Um, and I have been, I've been publishing poetry, self-publishing, and I've had some, a couple of my slam poems early on were in um, small regional anthologies, but I've been, I've been self-publishing work since um, I think my first self-published book I put out in 2005. Oh, wow. Maybe? 2000, I think it was 2005 or 2006. Um, and so I, the DIY self-publishing scene is my f- sort of heart and soul and kind of where I came into it. And just the idea that poetry is the lifeblood and revolutionary force um, moving the world in the direction that I would like it to move. So sort of that, like, I don't know, my mom often says, like, uh, that Gandhi quote, be the change you wish to see in the world. And I think circulating poetry, performing poetry has often has has always been that sort of like that for me. Um, So I got away from publishing for almost, I guess, probably close to 10 years when I was kind of in the midst of teaching theater and moving and um, just, you know, living life. Um, always still writing though. I always mm-hmm. have, I always have a notebook or a, a journal. Like I filled, here's a sketchbook that I just filled over the summer um, in Colorado. And at this point, I think this one will become kind of its own published chat book and it's art and poems. So eventually I had been teaching and I had a job. I had my bachelor's degree which is the four-year university degree. And I was teaching in a high school and I realized that I didn't really love teaching high school. I knew I wanted to pursue a master's in something to have kind of open up the doors. And I wasn't quite sure what that what I wanted that to be. I didn't, I didn't want to take the GRE. I don't like standardized tests. So that narrowed down the options. I knew I wanted something low residency so I could live at home, narrowed it down a little more. And then I came to this MFA in poetry and I thought, perfect, an opportunity to do the thing that I love to do anyway, minimal tests. And when I finish, I'll be qualified to teach college, which I think is a better fit for me than teaching high school. So in the course of the MFA, there's a lot of, traditionally, there's a lot of emphasis put on publishing formally and and that as a practice. And in order to kind of gain, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? become I don't to, to like be attractive as a teacher at a university if you're teaching English and poetry you have to have 
books that aren't just self-published. Hmm. Um, so that was where I kind of got connected with the Wisdom Body Collective. And there's that was a few other women who were in the similar program at the same university. And uh, they they have a pretty pretty fabulous publishing endeavors. We put put out the um, De, De Prima tribute anthology. And then it was actually another woman in that collective, Amy, who, and of course we have this little like writing circle going. So we'll send each other kind of what we're writing, what we're working on. And I had this collection, I had written it kind of in a whirlwind a couple summers ago. And I sent it to her and she was like, oh, you should, you should, Publish this with Wisdom Body Collective and call it Cunt Poems. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> and it had been kind of this like loose sort of digging into femininity and womanhood and and kind of all of those things intersecting. And also the the language and the kind of ways that like the stories that we tell each other and tell ourselves about ourselves become our reality. So I was doing a lot of thinking about like, well, what are the stories that I tell myself about myself in terms of like ability, disability, in terms of like gender sexuality, in terms of like, what does it mean to inhabit the body of a woman in this life, in this world, in this social context? And that just all came out as this, this chapbook. And it's still kind of an ongoing study hmm. yeah and with with poetry as well it's one thing i noticed especially from the poems uh, on your blog is that with poetry it's the freedom you know with a book it, it'd be you do have a degree of freedom with writing a full book but obviously a it has to normally be a proper you know several hundred pages although it's a, a novella and even then it realistically has to be kind of about 100 unless it's a short story and then it goes into like collections and things uh maybe even 50 pages but with a poem it can be it can be one line it can be literary sentence but it could also be you know 12 pages worth you can write it where things rhyme things don't rhyme it has the same amount of syllables per line it doesn't it you i noticed on a couple of yours you had it so that the um, the margin for certain words is different to obviously other ones kind of kind of either so you have an illustrated image I've seen some poems do or other ones where it's like you the movement of the words impacts how one reads them and how it kind of your own internal reading of a poem can affect how you kind of translate it in certain ways and so it's one of those things where there's this freedom to poetry which I think is similar to music which is that kind of thing where you can really do anything you want you you have poems that swear that don't for kids that aren't that you, any kind of amount of freedom for it and when you have collectives that allow and foster for those kinds of ideas it means that things can come out not necessarily unfiltered but you don't have to smoothen out the edges in certain ways for other people to consume you're putting it in a very specific medium of your own of your own kind of how your mind perceives things maybe or how you're just kind of you've got this thought and rather than putting it in a air quotes coherent sentence you can kind of formulate this emotional uh passage with a release so it's interesting like how you got involved with those things and with poetry itself like with cunt poems in particular like i assume they are mainly surrounding the word cunt <laughs> um some a lot of them um there's one poem where it's uh it's repeated uh several times but then mm. there's a, there's other stuff that's 
that where the there's there are other poems in the book where it's not mentioned at all and it's kind of more thinking around this concept of what it means to like be called a cunt be to like have one to to be possessing of the the physical apparatus as it were and that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, my friends. If you can't wait till next week for part two, please go to patreon.com slash genuine chat. And for as little as one pound a month, you will get access to part two of this conversation immediately, as well as hours and hours of additional bonus episodes that you can't find anywhere else. I think we are at about another 110 Afterthoughts episodes now, which is myself and Megan. We talk about TV shows and movies that we've watched, as well as some of our travels. Went to Malta recently, the Isle of Wight, we spoke about our dog a bit as well so lots of different bits and pieces it's a good way to see like what goes on behind the curtain as it were and to hear a lot more from myself and from megan while also getting early access to all that amazing genuine chit chat content but if you're unwilling or unable to contribute financially, that is 100% okay. Part two of the conversation will be dropped on this very feed next week and also on YouTube. For a little preview, we do speak about the word that was mentioned at the end, cunt, and we speak about Ada's, specifically her poems that she's written surrounding that word. And then we also talk about a few other bits and pieces like the language itself, how different nations kind of perceive the word differently. Ada then gets informed of the show Naked Attraction, which is a show in the UK where people get naked basically on tv and you get to see everything and if you're an american listener and you aren't aware type in naked attraction you can go take a look i'm fairly certain there are certain ways you can watch channel four shows outside of the uk and uh, from our american friends it has surprised them ada did message me after this and said that she still couldn't believe it even exists even after watching it so go check that out so you kind of know what i'm talking about in next episode if you so desire and then the episode kind of ends with ada talking about why she's such a massive fan of yoga and her experiences with it so uh yeah lots of variety in conversation if you enjoyed this part you're definitely going to enjoy part two so if you're not already subscribed please hit that subscribe button so you do not miss this episode and any other future episodes that come out that may pique your interest and if you're a first-time listener please go back check out the back catalog there is such a huge amount of conversations i've had that are about language and swearing but also ones that are about nothing about that at all if you're a little bit stuck you can make contact with me on social media at genuine chit chat on twitter instagram or on facebook you can just send me a message or whatever i'm happy to oblige or you can go over to youtube.com slash genuine chit chat and there you get video versions of all my conversations on there at least the recent ones the video version of my conversation with ada will be released on the youtube channel after part two drops as well but i put all my genuine chit chat episodes into playlists so there's religion and spirituality playlist there's a world and exploration one there's a weird and the macabre playlist there's just funnier ones ones with other podcasters ones with authors so whatever your favorite thing about podcasting is i'm sure there's a batch of episodes you are going to really enjoy if you haven't tuned in before in addition to that my friends ada gave us loads of recommendations which i've included in the description as i always say with genuine chit chat check out the show notes i put a lot of effort into them and it takes me quite a while to write them all you've got ada's two websites in there her appearance on indie comic spotlight a link to the book by inga musio which is called cunt as well you've got her twitter and instagram handles which is at aa underscore mccartney you've also got links to my various guest spots including my recent times on back to the filmography fem on film spider dan and the secret boars and my appearance on film on film ada actually listened to before we had this conversation here so if you haven't checked that out already go check that out as well lots of great things to find out on this episode there's book recommendations poetry other podcasts all kinds of stuff so check out those show notes cannot harp on about that enough 
But as we wrap it up here, my friends, just make sure you follow me on social media. I'll say it again at Genuine Chit Chat. Make sure you please review and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. You can rate on Spotify without even having to write anything. You can rate and review on Good Pods as well as on Apple Podcasts. Things like that really help the show grow, helps expand the horizons of the show, and helps more and more people get involved. So please do that to help out the show. It means the absolute world to me. But that's going to be enough, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I'll be back with you next week with part two of my conversation with Ana McCartney. And make sure you do it. Check out those show notes. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.